Hi everyone, welcome to Manager IQ's Manager Skills Corner podcast. Manager IQ's mission is to provide an online space where managers can access all the resources, learnings and tools to build their manager toolkit and also to provide you with a community of managers to lean on. This podcast is designed to bring experts in specific areas of management to share their knowledge and experience with the Manager IQ community. We share tips and tricks which you can implement into your management practice. For more information about Manager IQ and our products, check out our website www.manageriq.com. Now, let's check out today's episode. I would like to welcome Dr. Brock Bastian to the Manager Skills Corner podcast to discuss psychological safety in the workplace. Brock is a professor of social psychology at the University of Melbourne, author of The Other Side of Happiness, Embracing a More Fearless Approach to Living, and consults across industry and government, translating scientific knowledge into practical insights and strategies. Brock has a strong interest in understanding the various social and cultural factors that impact on decision-making and well-being. He has published over 150 peer-reviewed journal articles, and his work has been featured in outlets such as The Economist, The New Yorker, Time, Forbes, New Scientist, Scientific American, and Harvard Business Review. In his consulting, Brock brings scientific insights on culture, communication, well-being, and behavioral ethics to address a range of organizational challenges. From speaking to senior leaders of large organizations, Providing accessible workshops for frontline staff, Brock has a unique capacity to communicate scientific knowledge in a practical and accessible manner. Whether it's building more psychological safe teams or providing best practice advice on managing stress and mental health, as a social psychologist, Brock has a strong focus on early intervention and prevention. Brock is a TEDx speaker and has provided keynotes at many of the top universities in the world and for a range of organizations and industry events. Welcome to the podcast today, Brock. What is psychological safety? Yeah, well, psychological safety is, um, I, I, you know, it's 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 really a cultural um, dimension or a way of thinking about culture. And of course, culture is something that often people think is a bit, you know, abstract and amorphous and something you can't really understand or access or, or, or measure. But but I mean, I, I think it's. It, it's actually quite different to that culture is something that we we can study and we we, we can assess and, and we and I think we are also very very sensitive to identifying or feeling or you know being able to I guess understand the kinds of cultures that we're surrounded by um, and psychological safety is a, a way of describing um, this particular aspect of a culture where it is really about that that idea that people people feel safe to be able to take interpersonal risks to to speak up um, to be able to offer ideas, ask questions. A big part of it is also about being able to be be human, so to to acknowledge error and and, and missions and mistakes, and to feel that it's it's safe to be able to do that. Um, I think you know I think one of the elements of the de- of, of the term itself that uh, often gets um, perhaps misused or, or or perhaps even is 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 perhaps misplaced in some ways is is the term safety. So it feels as though it should be a a safe place and whilst it is about creating a safe place for people it's not about just simply protecting people in fact it's about creating an environment where people can actually feel very challenged where people can have some pretty difficult uh conversations candid conversations again that interpersonal risk taking part you know where i can i can front up and, and actually have a really uncomfortable difficult conversation with you not because i just want to create 
discomfort for you or because I want to make your life hard. I don't think that's a psychologically safe space. But I, I but because I think that that's actually really important. There's there's something that I think that we need to understand, or that perhaps I I, I feel I need to communicate to you in in that space. And I feel that I can take that risk with you and do that because it's important to do so. And I feel safe to be able to take that risk. I think that's really the, the that that particular, you know, I think that interpersonal risk taking is is a really important part of the definition. Yeah, thank you so much for touching on that uh, because I did mention before when we're having our chat pre the podcast around psychological safety seems such an extreme mm. word and it yeah. seems scary to managers. So how do I do this big thing? Yeah. But like you're mm. saying, it's part of culture. It's a yeah. part of about how do we make people feel comfortable, safe, wanting yeah. to have those um, challenging, difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, where they don't feel like something's going to happen at the you know at the back of it. So uh, you know, having this uh, really exciting, creative environment. I guess is yeah. what you're trying to do, which makes it feel that much more easier to obtain from a manager's perspective. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it, it is about, yeah, I mean, you know, it is about having that that, that creative environment, um, being able to make those those sort of, I mean, it's, you know, we know it's very important for innovation in that sense and performance. Again, Google identified it as one of the most, it's, it's number one attribute of its most successful teams. So it certainly enables um, those sorts of, yeah, those sorts of conversations, those sorts of contributions um but also i think it's it's you know it can be really important for dealing with all sorts of risks as well i think it's a the sort of uh environment where if you want to or if you need to sort of hear about something if you need to um if you need to say something if you need to identify a problem or or a, a risk across the board and again this might be about risks to business it could be about risks to people um it, you know again it could be about physical risks, it could be about psychosocial risks, but that capacity to feel that, you know, it's safe to be able to identify those things, have those conversations as well. Um, yeah, I think that that open and honest kind of communication is is, is really critical uh, to, to creating that kind of environment, yeah. And I think from an employee perspective, um, you know, having an in, like an innovative team or a place where I can share my ideas or um, a place that we can have challenging conversations and someone's going to mm. help me get to a, a spot that I never thought I would. That sounds like a great environment, you know, so I would be excited about that. And a manager creating that kind of environment, I think, would be quite exciting as well. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned growth there, and I think that's exactly what, it, you know, I, I, I mean, there's no growth without some discomfort, you know. I mean, uh, there's nothing, uh, you know, I often say there's nothing that we know in terms of any system in the known human universe, well, not the known human universe, but in the known universe that humans inhabit that that grows, develops, gets better and stronger um, in a state of, you know, comfort and equilibrium. It's always discomfort and disequilibrium where things are improving. So, yeah, I guess a psychologically safe culture is one where you can actually grow because you can be challenged, um, because you feel safe to challenge each other. Uh, in, again, on things that really matter and uh, around issues or um, or areas, uh, ideas um, that, that allow you to, to reflect and, and consider different ways of doing things. So, yeah, I, I think growth and innovation you know, and personal growth is a really, really big part of it or an outcome of it as well. Yeah, and from my perspective as well, there it's been, I guess, the term psychological safety has really come out, you know, in the last few years, I say, mm. I guess in my, you know, I guess in my exposure to it. What mm. is the background? How did this concept come to life, I, I guess, for the viewers who might not know exactly how it came about? Yeah, well, it actually, it actually dates back um, 
quite a few years in psychology, um, but became became popularised by Annie Edmondson and a lot of her research. Um, and and so she sort of, uh, I guess, it was was discussing a, a concept or a term that had been around, but but really putting some shape to it with her with some of her work, and that was particularly around performance understanding um you know how errors were managed um understanding how people were reporting those errors again some of her work so it showed that you know organizations that, that report more errors omissions and mistakes are organizations that overall make fewer errors and omissions and mistakes because they're learning from those um and and so you know being putting people in that learning zone where they are able to i suppose create interdependence um and communicate openly around um their work uh does actually you know enhance performance again sometimes i think that you know people think well hang on if we're going to allow people to make mistakes and talk about them we're not really holding up to high standards and you know amy makes that point that well actually these things are orthogonal they're they're independent you know that that you have you you know to, you, you need to allow people give them the space the room the culture the environment the, the support to be able to perform well and that includes you know being a bit human around that too um so, so certainly Amy Edmondson's work has been a, a very important um, a, a starting point or, or sort of leverage point for the concept, even though it was it was around earlier. Um, but then I think the thing that really threw it up into the um, the collective consciousness was the was the Google research on its own organisational project Aristotle. I think that was 2015, um, which then you know suddenly I suppose made people think, well, hang on there. Here's a list of things that we've always thought are really, really important, and psychological safety seems to be the number one here. So, you know, I think that's certainly elevated it. I mean, is it is it is it sort of uh, you know entirely distinct from things we might talk about in other ways? I, I don't think so. I think that it, you know, I think high trust culture, a high trust environment, is probably not. You know, I think I think the way that you you talk around the concept of psychological safety gives it some some emphasis and some definition, but. But I think there are elements of it that we would certainly and could capture with other concepts as well. You know, good communication, good support, high trust environments, all of those are really, I think, part of it. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, it is really about knowing how to to create that environment where people like to come to work and can can to, can talk to each other and and can communicate. And you know, if if you're thinking about what's the number one ingredient to create psychological safety, well, it's it's actually building relationships with people. That's, I think that's the fastest way to do it. Um, you know, if you if you ask anybody, and I often do, you know, do you have psychological safety in your teams? They'll say, oh, yes, we, we have quite a bit of psychological safety in our teams. Well, the, the good teams do. Some teams don't, of course. Then you say, you know, well, do you have psychological safety across your organisation? I'll say, oh, well, less so. Um, why? Because they know each other in the teams and they don't know people across the organisation. So I think relationships are a really, really important part of this. And so for a manager... You know, thinking about well, you know, do you do you actually invest in creating uh, high trust relationships with your with your people? And if you do, then it'd be pretty unlikely they don't feel psychologically safe with you. Wow, that's great. That's a great tip, and and a really I don't want to say simplify it because it's not a simple thing to create an environment where people you know feel the the trust and so forth, but. If you are spending that time to getting to know your people, to finding out what their needs are, to seeing how you can help with those needs, it's going to take you a huge step forward to making them feel safe. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I used to say in my team um, during our team meetings, I, I used to say, like, I don't want it to always be about thank goodness it's Friday. 
You know, I want yeah. it to be, thank goodness it's Monday. Thank goodness yeah. it's Tuesday. You know, whatever. Every yeah. day, thank goodness, because I love what I do. I love the team I work in. I've got a sense of purpose, you know, whatever yeah. the words are, because I wanted them to jump out of bed in the morning. You know, it's something that I read. I think it was part of the Japanese culture. They try and find work that fits their purpose. So they jump out of bed, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I was trying to bring that into into our team around how can we do that? And a lot of it ended up coming down to culture and yeah, how we can create really good relationships with our people. Yeah, well, they. I mean, I've, I've seen some data suggesting that culture is ten times more important than than uh, re remuneration when it comes to engagement and retention. So you know, people stick around not just for the money, but for the culture. Mm. Um, and we also know that you know the relatedness is a is a very important predictor of meaningfulness at work. So those those relationships, the the, the culture that that exists in and around those relationships is really really critical. And of course, you know it is an interesting proposition that the the whole work from home. Uh, I think that the flexibility around that is fantastic for people, but it is starting to impact on the culture of a team and organisation. So I think for managers as well, it's about thinking, well, how do you, you know, how do you really um, continue to build that even while giving people flexibility. But you, you can't just you can't just be business as usual. You know, you can't just expect that if the culture was good, it's going to continue to be good because there's less of that interaction for people to kind of maintain and build and uh yeah, to 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 contribute to the culture. So yeah, thinking about how to do that in a more hybrid working environment, I think is really really essential. Um but yeah, that, that that's such an important part, isn't it? And and again, psychological safety does describe a particular dimension of culture, um, but I think one that we're starting to see or, or certainly have come to see is very important for a range of reasons. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And I wonder if now is a good time to talk about those range of reasons now that you've touched on it around, you know, why would a manager specifically spend time to try and create mm. a psychological safe environment? What are the benefits, I guess? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, uh, again, I mean, if we go to the, to the Google study, I think you know it's been it's become quite clear that it's it's very really important for performance. So you know, again, high performing teams are teams that have psychological safety. Um, and again, that's because people can can talk to each other. They they can they can utilize that interdependence. As as Amy said, I mean, you know, if you if if your job is 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 simple and doesn't actually require any interdependence. Um, and there's no uncertainty and complexity, well, you don't need psychological safety. But as soon as there's uncertainty, there's complexity and there's interdependence, then you need it because, you you know, you can't have open, honest, candid conversations with people. Um, if you can't do that, and, and, and but you do need to be interdependent, well, it, it just doesn't work. So in those sorts of environments, it, it, it certainly drives performance. Um, there's there's some other interesting work that that, um, that shows, for example, I mean, we, all, we all tend to think that... Um, having more diverse teams is actually better for performance, you know, that the more diverse teams outperform less diverse teams. It turns out that's sometimes not the case. In fact, sometimes more diverse teams underperform compared to less diverse teams. Um, and that, 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 that happens to be true when those teams have low levels of psychological safety. So if you have a team, if you have low levels of psychological safety, Diversity is not working for you. In fact, it's counting against you because those diverse voices, no one, no one can express them. No one can bring them to the table. No one feels welcome to do so. No one feels safe to do so. But when you have high levels of psychological safety, now the more, the more diverse teams are actually outperforming the less diverse teams. So it literally leverages your value from diversity. So if, if diversity and inclusion is important to you, which I think it is pretty much across the board, 
then you know you also need to have psychological safety to get the value from that otherwise there's no point in really you know you're not really getting the benefit of it if you don't have that sort of culture um i think you know that certainly with the uh when it comes to mental health um and well-being you know we we need to hear when people are being impacted by work um we need to hear when people are feeling mentally unwell um, but we also need to hear from people before that happens. You know, it's it's one thing. It's, I mean, I'd, certainly if, if someone's feeling depressed or anxious, we want them to be able to tell us about that and to be able to respond to it and provide them with the, the resources, feel safe to do so. But I'd also like to hear, if I was a manager, I'd also like to be hearing about whether people are feeling stressed before they become depressed or anxious and, you know, what's impacting, what's leading to that stress. I'd like to know about that. Um, and, and I suppose upstream from there is I'd like to know about the sorts of things that people see in the workplace environment. And again, those those psychosocial risks that we're, um, you know, that we're that the psychosocial hazards and psychosocial risks, which are very much part of the, the new frameworks that organisations are being held to account uh, for in terms of maintaining a healthy workplace environment. You know, I, I want to hear about if your job design is impacting negatively on your mental health. I want to hear about if there are interpersonal conduct issues in the team, even before it gets to the point of being a bullying, harassment, discrimination claim, I want to hear about where those conflicts are and 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 have be able to have an open, honest conversation with with you about it, or even be able to encourage you to have an open, honest conversation with the other person in the team, so that you, we can create some awareness. You know, I, I think that being able to get in and deal early with these these interpersonal problems is is really important. We're we're often really bad at it. Um, you know, often remind people that there's very few individuals who wake up in the morning uh, and, and come into work and decide who, who they, you know, think to themselves, who am I going to bully, discriminate against and harass today? I mean, people don't really do this intentionally. I mean, there's some there's some who do. Um, that's a different discussion, but most people don't. And so to the, to the extent that most people don't, then it means they're not aware. And if they're not aware, then they need to be made aware. And how do you make people aware? Well, you let them know how they're impacting on you and you have that kind of conversation really uncomfortable conversation to have but really really important and so i think you know being able to get in there early and deal with those sorts of interpersonal conduct issues which are again part of that that psychosocial environment that we need to know about is, is really critical as well so um and i and i think you know broadly beyond that as well i mean any any anyone who cares about risk culture anyone who wants to know about risks whether it's again the psychosocial risks but also the maybe the health, you know, the physical health and safety risks, but right across the board to organisations which have to manage all, all nature of risks. You know, we want to know about where things are going wrong. We want to know about when people are perhaps making some poor decisions around things to do with risk or even around ethics, you know, um, those sorts of difficult conversations around risk and ethics are often hard to have because they have pretty weighty implications in terms of when you get it wrong. So how do you talk about those mistakes? How do you open up those conversations and make sure that people are talking to each other around those really important issues? So quite a gamut of things there, I guess. And it can be a bit of a, um, you know, I mean, it has been referred to as Maslow's hammer in some ways. You know, once you, you know, it seems like every, you know, um, everything can be resolved with psychological safety. I don't think that's the case, but I think it certainly can can address a, a range of issues and, and, and certainly the ones that I've mentioned there. Yeah, and it sounds like it's got benefits for the individual and the team so they can grow, they can develop, they can be part of this you know, great culture, innovative environment, yeah. have a sense of purpose, have great communica open communication. 
Um, yeah. And then, but from a business perspective, they can also be have teams that are more productive, more innovative, yeah. identifying risks early, so that you have like that you see that early intervention or even prevention mindset. So yeah. it works both good for the individual and the the business, which is exactly yeah. the middle where the manager sits, is the this you know yeah. the meat in the sandwich between the two. So it yeah. can help all sides. Yeah, and of course, there's always important synergy there. You know, I think I think increasingly, and certainly, you know, as businesses become aware of the the ESG-based, uh, I suppose, um, motivations and and uh, rationale. I mean, you know, good business is is always going to be you know, a, a business that looks after people and looks after them well because they are your most important assets. So yeah, ensuring that um, and and of course things like culture things like communication, how people get along, relationships are absolutely essential to performance. You, you, you know, they're, they're really critical to that. And you, you, I mean, I think people who have worked in organisations where the culture is toxic, where there are, you know, managers that aren't supportive, um, they, they certainly know that it's not only themselves that are being impacted, but their performance, their, their outputs, the, you know, the business interests as well. Yeah. Yeah. And are you a new manager looking to build your manager toolkit? Well, the new manager development program is just for you. We cover four modules, which is looking at what is the role of the manager, how to set yourself up as a manager, how to set your team up, and then looking into the future. We have an excellent free trial that is available to all. If you would like access to it, please visit our website today, www.manageriq.com. Another reason why I actually started doing Manager IQ um, is because I was hearing from a lot of friends, colleagues, you know, whoever it might have been, mm. the impact that managers, businesses were having on that individual. And yeah. I, I did another interview with a manager who was talking about their journey and we're talking about the significant impact a person can have on an individual and those ongoing psychological impacts that can be yeah. quite significant for someone to overcome. Um, yeah. So it was a huge kind of push for me to say, well, how can I help this, you know, group of people called managers who are, who have yeah. a, who can have this really um, amazing, but also kind of negative impact if not done well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think, I think, but, you know, I mean, being a manager is a huge responsibility. Um, and just mm -hmm. to, just to put a, put an emphasis on that, there was some interesting data. It's not, not peer reviewed data, I'll have to say as an academic, but, um, but it is, <laughs> it is from a, uh, you know, a consulting organisation over in the UK, and uh, they ran a survey, and, and out of that, they, they you know, the, the sort of the headline finding was that people reported that their managers had a more a more significant impact on their mental health than their doctor or their psychologist, um, which you know, as a psychologist, pains me to say this, you know, <laughs> so, um, but and equal to their partner. So if you think about, you know, how important your partner is for your mental health and having a good relationship with your partner, well, it turns out your manager and having a good relationship with your manager is equally important. So that mm. that that really does, I think, underscore for for managers, you know, and that that goes back to that relationship building part, you know, that you mm. and, and and the you know that that concept of supportive leadership, you know, that, that it's really about supporting people, um, knowing how to support them well. Um, that that really does create an environment where they can flourish personally, but also where you know you get the best out of them too. Yeah, yeah. There's so much in there that I think we could deep dive on. Um, you know, specific um, little areas there. But I think that you're you're right that the manager has a big role to play. And, you know, I, I just did a, a little bit of a, a blurb the other day for from a LinkedIn post I was doing around, you know, how you can actually help um, individuals or managing conflict within your team. That's what it was. Yeah. And one of the things that I was saying is as a manager, 
you might not know that it's occurring, you know, so you might not know no. that those interpersonal issues are occurring, but how can you no. actually think, well, actually, it's more likely that those things are occurring than they're not. So yeah. how can you be more aware, ask more questions and yeah. have mechanisms for people to raise those sort of things and not just raise them, but then enable them to deal with them, you know, for those yeah. likes of those early interventions or prevention methods. But, you know, like it's quite tricky for a manager who's got, you know, all these balls up in the air around how they can then continue to look to their environment to actually assess, is there anything going on here that I need to actively work on? Um, Yeah. No, that's what every manager says. This this sort of, this is is great, but, you know, where do I fit it into my my workload? Mm -hmm. I suppose, I suppose one thing to that is, you know, it, it, if you if you are creating a culture and environment where you do know you feel confident that people will come to you mm-hmm. and that that's sort of your focus you know you don't need to then necessarily i mean you do need to be aware you do need to be on the lookout you do need to be you know have your eye and you know walk the floor so to speak to see what's mm-hmm. going on but by creating that culture where you know people will come to you if they do have an issue and you're constantly inviting them to do that mm-hmm. um and you're making it very clear that they can do that. Um, that that I think you know does actually do a lot of work for you because that mm. does mean that you know if there's an issue, you feel confident that people will come to you. But one of the things around that is I think managers often overestimate how approachable they are. And you know we often think you know I've trained organisations at level where you start at this level up here and they say well you know we're very approachable it's the people above us that you can't talk to that's career suicide and then you go down a level and they're like well we're we're very approachable it's the people above us you can't speak to that's career suicide and and so I think you know we've got to recognise power power is uh, is is something that exists within organisations that doesn't really exist naturally in the way we might manage relationships outside of organizations you know we, we with our friends with our family there are power dynamics there but not anywhere near in the same way to the structure of an organization so we have to understand if we are in a position of power we've got to actively work to 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 make sure that people know that they can come to us and they can raise issues not only that they are experiencing but it, i think the critical things that they they can actually raise issues with us about us you know, we we might not be managing in the way that we think we are. Again, we all we, we all we all have these blind spots, right? We're all not going to sometimes see things clearly. I might be actually causing some some stress and harm and and and, and psychological impacts for people that I don't understand or see. So I'd really want to know that that person in my team could come and let me know that. I think that's the that's the sort of litmus test because if they can let me know that, then they can probably talk about a bunch of other stuff as well, right? I mean, that to me is a litmus test of whether this is an open open kind of culture. Um, there's some great work by uh, by Adam Grant, which uh, you know talks about you know uh, rather than inviting feedback, you know sharing feedback. So so we we often say as managers, look, my door is always open, but of course that doesn't tell me much about what's going to happen when I walk through that door and I let you know that you know there's this I have this difficult conversation with you, right? I mean, how are you going to respond? What are you going to say? I know your door's open. What's going to happen when I walk in there? Whereas, as, as Adam Grant suggests, well, if you share the feedback that you've got, constructive criticism, for example, as a manager, and I think very few people do this because it's very vulnerable and, you, and you've got to really own it. But if you do do it well and you say, hey, you know, team, here's some constructive criticism I got and here's what I'm doing about it. Well, now you're giving me all the evidence that I need to know that I can walk into your office and have that kind of conversation with you. I can raise those awkward, uncomfortable and difficult issues, um, both maybe to do with you, but to do with other people and even to do with myself. 
and you've now given me all the evidence I need to know what that's going to look like for me when that happens. So I think we have to be very, managers have to be very intentional and explicit when it comes to ensuring that they are approachable. Um, they are in create, creating that kind of environment for people. Um, but if you do it, then it is a shortcut to working out what where the risks are and what the problems are and, you know, what people need to be talking about because, you know, they will come to you if you do that really, if you do that well. Um, you talked about, uh, you know, the litmus, the litmus test of people are, you know, coming in to talk to you about issues. What are some of the other things that managers can do or businesses can do that can get them to assess how psychological safe their environment is? Well, I mean, there are there are certainly um, there are certainly surveys out there, for example, that you can use to to assess this, you know, questionnaires, the sort of feedback processes. Um, I, I guess I guess you know it is important to 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 do that sort of formal assessment. I think I think on the on the day to day basis, it's it's also important to make it part of the conversation. So you know, are you kind of checking in on these sorts of things in your team meetings? And, I mean, it's some people will shy away from it. They think, oh, if we talk about this, is a really uncomfortable conversation. You know, it could be threatening to people. I, I had someone sort of say, well, you know, one of your workshops, Brock, you know, you, you asked this question and somebody said they weren't feeling psychologically safe. And I don't know if that was the appropriate environment because we weren't able to respond to them. And I, you know, I felt like saying, well, actually, it's not them you need to be responding to. It's the whole team, you know, because what they've identified is not something about them, but actually something about the team and everyone in it that, need, that, that requires some reflection. So we are talking about the culture, and I think when we're talking about that, you know, we we, we need to we need to be talking about that and and, and checking in on it, and 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 I guess making sure that that's that is what we think it is. Um, asking people some of these sort of direct questions. I think also, you know, are, are we hearing? Are people coming to us with the bad news or the the difficult the difficult stories or or issues or concerns? You know, I think. If, if we're not ever hearing any of those, I mean, sometimes you think it's all going great because everyone's saying nice stuff and everyone's getting great feedback and everyone's feeling, you know, but that's actually worrying because there is going to be stuff happening. It's just you're not hearing about it. So why not? Um, so I think there's things that we can be aware of in the day to day. And 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 I guess, again, you know, just just taking a little bit of time to check in with people and, and you know it doesn't have to be it is harder in the hybrid environment because you know those water cooler conversations are very hard to kind of schedule on a team's call um but but you know just checking in with people how was your weekend you know what did you get up to how's the kids you know how's the footy just a quick conversation right um and and that sometimes is enough just asking what well, the one thing people often say is, you know, why does my manager manager ever ask how my weekend was? Why does my manager say hello when they walk in? What you know, just little things like that um, really can leverage and, and and improve a few of those relationships. So, so I think you can certainly assess this formally, and there are there are questions you can ask that, that assess the culture definitely. Um, but but I think you know on a more informal basis, there's lots of things to be looking out for as well. Okay, great. That was a great tip around um, how you, a manager can look to create a psychological safe environment, you know, having the one-on-ones, having the informal conversations, asking people how they are and getting mm. to know a little bit more about them. Uh, what are some of the other things that managers could be doing to create a psychological safe environment that you might not have mentioned already? Well, I think I think we definitely need to bring a good deal of, a good dose of self-awareness to the way that we work. And I think we're, you know, um, 
I think it's, uh, I think the, the statistic is, although 95% of people think they're self-aware, only 10 to 15% actually are. So there's a big gap in there, right? Um, so we all think we know ourselves. We all think we know how we're coming across, but actually mostly we don't. So we do need to be very open to to that that self-awareness piece and, and, you know, taking and receiving feedback in that sort of sense. So, so no, I guess that's also about knowing how to listen knowing, you know, being good at listening, um, listening up, you know, if you want to create a speak up culture, you need to also create a listen up culture. Um, so so knowing how to listen well, um, I, I, I guess the other part is also knowing how to communicate well, how to how to say things well. I think often people don't know how to say things in a way that people can, can hear and also reduce that defensiveness that might that might be aroused by having a difficult conversation around conduct or decision making or whatever it is that needs to be said right knowing how to say that well having the skills to say it well is really really important and i think there is there are ways that you can say things that allow people to hear your message and there are ways that you can say things that get people up with their backs up against the wall and and just feeling you know how to get out of there and feeling very targeted so i think knowing how to communicate well knowing how to listen well um, is, is absolutely critical and and I think bringing you know bringing a, a good dose of humility to the way that you manage is a nice term called confident humility. And and again, this is the idea that you know to be able to be a little bit you know to to to, to be able to acknowledge you don't have all the answers as a manager is absolutely critical because you don't. I mean, let's just face it, no one does. Um, and and uh, you know to 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 think that you do is actually blind arrogance. So it's no point in ending up there. No one wants to be blindly arrogant. Um, but you can be confidently, you know, you can have that confident humility. And, and that means that you you acknowledge that you don't have all the answers. But that doesn't mean that you're undermining or stepping away from your own confidence that you're actually very, very good in this role. You know, I'm a very, very good manager who doesn't have all the answers. And that's actually probably a very accurate you know, representation of most of people. Um, and, and it's just to see it as, as, a, as a separate thing. And, and bringing that humility, I think, is, is absolutely absolutely critical and i guess the other thing you know to really encourage people to be able to speak up is use curiosity you know just just rather than come in and, and again as part of not feeling you've got to have all the answers you know ask questions be interested elicit um from people their ideas their contributions their concerns you know use that curious approach in the way that you you manage and interact with people um, and that actually, you know, in a sense, creates that framework or that that invitation for them to be able to to speak up as well. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of little tools that, I mean, culture is created by people. Um, and, you know, the way we behave and what we do, um, even down to those very, very small things, does define and build and impact on 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 the culture. And And, and again, some of those are skills and capabilities that people need to learn because they're not all things that we've been taught. Um, they're not all things that come naturally or easily. Vulnerability is one of the hardest things for most people to lean into. Most of us don't like to be vulnerable, and yet you do need to be a little bit vulnerable, appropriately so. You know, you can have over-vulnerability as well. <laughs> but just, you know, that appropriate amount of it that you need to bring to, to really open up those, those conversations and relationships with people. Um, and these are not things that come naturally. So you do need often to to build those that, that confidence and that capability in, in into managers to be able to do it well.
Yeah, and there's such a human factor to to people and managers are, are you know as human as everybody else. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that I, I take on there is that if someone is bringing you feedback that might be related to you or to the team around how you can, you know, once again, listen, like you say, be curious about your listening, ask yeah. more questions and really try and stamp down that natural defense, defensiveness yeah. that might pop up. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you start doing that or justifying certain things without really listening to what the conversation is about, you start yeah. to kind of then start to people say, well, maybe I, I shouldn't be given this feedback or maybe I'm yeah. not really that safe here or whatever yeah, it is. And it's, right. But it's such a natural kind of reaction, you know, like because yeah. you instantly take hold of that. Oh, you know, I'm the manager, so I own that this is the issue and la, la, yeah. la, and you can kind of be defensive. So I guess yeah. trying to know that that might be a feeling that an, or an emotion that might occur, but how you actually just moderate it and understand, Absolutely. well, let's just, you know, let's, I might not have, maybe don't even respond at that point in time if you are feeling defensive. Yeah take it away, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. Because like you say, every interaction is going to Absolutely. be an indication to that individual, you know, how safe the environment is. Yeah. Well, and, and even beyond that, I, I think it's very much the case. It's like trust. It's very hard to mm. build. And it's very easy to lose. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's once bitten, twice shy. Um, mm. You know, I've heard people say, look, I spoke up once, I got shot down, I'm not doing it again. So it, it actually is... Um, yeah, those those little things, those those moments and those interactions really do define it for people. Um, and if you do shut someone down, they they won't they won't take that risk too often again with you. Although it'll take a long time to so to build the confidence for them you know, yeah. up for them to do that. So yeah, it is it is critical. Yeah. Um, any other barriers that you might want to share quickly that um, that managers might face to implement a psychological safe environment or culture? Um, well, I think I think some of the some of the barriers that you might experience are, again, people's the sorts of experiences that people do bring with them into the workplace. So you know, you might be doing a very good job as a manager, but perhaps you know your new starter has actually come from a workplace that wasn't very psychologically safe, and so you do need to work hard to perhaps you know overcome that barrier for them and help them to see this as a different environment. So mm -hmm. you know, I think people do bring experiences with them that. That are going to you know and be, to be able to recognize that as a, as a as a manager as well is really important so some of those individual differences in there too mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean look there's i guess there's, there's there's many and 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 they're varied but um but again being yeah bringing that awareness and that focus and and just that intentional intentional focus on thinking about this which we often just don't we often just don't and and uh and the more that you sort of are aware of it and you're thinking about it and and, and bringing that to uh, to the way that you work and the way you manage, I think, you know, it, it will be something that starts to shift and, and become part of the culture. But, you know, you can't just assume that it's going to kind of happen magically. You do have to work at it and do things to actually make it happen. Do you want to touch on, I guess, the psychological health and safety? The point there is, is just that sometimes, again, psychological safety as that dimension of culture is is confused a little bit with again that psychological health and safety piece which is really a broader um i, I suppose approach from organizations in terms of managing managing psychological health and safety in the same way they manage so you know health and safety it's, mm -hmm. it's about that, that that and again the, the whole psychosocial risk and psychosocial hazard and putting controls in place all of that is really that psychological side of the health and safety piece that people have been aware of for a long time. Often it gets called psychological safety. And I, you know, again, there's a distinction, there's a distinction there because it's not part of that organizational approach to managing well-being. 
even though it's a very important, I suppose, component in terms of how you might go about ensuring that that wellbeing is being managed well, and certainly creating a culture where people are able to speak up around these things would enable and facilitate the sorts of conversations you do need. But yeah, they are distinct concepts and quite commonly confused. Um, yeah. So it's good, to, good to kind of clarify, you know, that 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 you know, and, and again, it's also not that you know when it, it's not about individuals. It's not about people can be can be personally psychologically unsafe. It's very much about a culture, and and you will find agreement around this. You'll find people saying, "Yes, I think our team is psychologically safe," or "No, we don't mm. think it is." So it's definitely it's you've got to be understood at cultural level. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brock. It's been such a very interesting conversation and we might have to get you back on another time and, and, and deep dive on some other concepts that you're really familiar with or some of the things that we didn't get a chance to deep dive in today. Excellent. But I know you're doing fantastic work in the research area, but you also do some fantastic work in the consulting area. If a business yeah. or a team wanted to get in contact with you to do some consulting with you, how would they best get in contact with you? Yeah, just shoot me an email. Um, Brock.bastian at unimelb.edu.au would be the best one uh, for a start. And um, yeah, and again, you know, working with a range of organisations around these sorts of um, these sorts of concepts and others as well. Um, and and again, thinking around culture and leadership and how we can apply that to some of the sorts of issues and problems we've discussed in in the session um, in this in this podcast. So yeah. Right. And I'll add your your email address as part of the, the episode description as well so that people can just right. click on that um, to make it easier. But thank you once again for your time. I really appreciate it. And I think that the Manager IQ community has got a lot of great ideas and how-tos around how they can help um, create a psychological safe environment with their teams. So thank you once again. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you have any feedback or would like us to deep dive on a specific skill, please email us at hello at manageriq.com. Thanks very much. Have a good day.